Hello and welcome in to the first edition of the Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Coming at you with a little March Madness preview, Cody. I'm pretty excited. NFL is always a fun, uh, you know, fun time for us. We're obviously very into football, both in fantasy and in real life. But uh, it's nice to take a little break and do something different here with the March Madness. Uh, you know, betting podcast that we're going to give you here. And uh, also, I think this is kind of my favorite two weeks of sports in any capacity. You know, you've got NFL free agency. The tournament is obviously a ton of fun. A lot of other sports are kind of coming to their, uh, you know, their playoffs. It's a fun time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of NFL free agency, I know this is going to be primarily basketball, but how do you feel about Mike uh, Mike McClinchy joining the Broncos? You feel like that's a good signing where you got him at? I was um, I was happy with it. Uh, the, the contract is a, probably a slight overpayment, which is pretty much what you're always going to get with free agency. Uh, I was I'm pretty happy with it though. He's 28, five year deal. Lineman can play pretty well into their mid 30s, especially tackles. So I think he'll be good in conjunction with the young guard that we got from Baltimore. I'm very happy with it, and it seems like Sean Payton is definitely he's got a philosophy, and he's trying to build uh, you know build out that line to have a strong run game. Both those guys grayed out very well in that regard. So I was pretty happy with it. How about you guys? You guys got a young tackle from Jacksonville. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I felt pretty good. I honestly was not um, not expecting us to sign him. I had not seen anything about us uh, looking at him or anything like that. But uh, once I saw that we signed him and to a pretty decent contract, looked it up, and he was a pretty good uh, tackle out there on the market. So I'm excited. I, um, as a fan of the Bussin' with the Boys podcast, I'm still hoping Taylor Lewan is our uh, new left tackle for next season. So we'll whenever see. I got the notification that Lewan Taylor got signed to the Chiefs, <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> I had to reread it a couple of times because I was like, wait, are we sure what happened here? But um, no, it's cool. I'm excited. Um, yeah, obviously, we'll, we'll get into all the fantasy or all the football, you know, uh, free agent stuff in the next fantasy football podcast, but let's go ahead and get this back to March Madness. Obviously, like you said, uh, two of the best weeks out of the year sports-wise. Um, honestly, it's super cool because the whole world really pays almost no attention to college basketball for the entire regular season and conference tournaments and then is obsessed with it for like a month during the, uh, so during the bracket and everything. So. Uh, obviously, it's one of the biggest bet events over you know the course of the year. So I think outside of football, it's probably got to be the most bet on thing. So uh, we have some different philosophies. We have some picks for you. We have our picks for each uh, region, as well as uh, some other kind of betting tips that we've picked up through some reading and pod- other podcasts that we've listened to. So Nick, I will kick it off to you. Do you want to start with your betting philosophy for March Madness? Yeah, uh, I will go ahead and give an overview of kind of how I approach these games in general. Uh, we're going to get into, like Cody said, our specific picks for Final Four uh, for each region, and then uh, some other tips that we like to abide by in a general sense. Uh, we aren't really going to get into betting individual games. There's just too many to go over, and you know we could be here for hours getting into all 32 matchups, and that's, again going to be irrelevant in a couple days so we'd rather just kind of give you a general view of how we uh, look at these things but I generally like to bet uh, these games live which is to say that you want to take advantage of the movement after the game has started 
You're going to want to target games with high over-unders that are going to you know, swing back and forth to teams that are high scoring. Our Mizzou Tigers are a great example of this. Uh, this weekend, they play a Utah State team, plays a very similar style to them. A 10-point lead in the first half is not going to mean much. It's going to move the line quite a bit, though. So you can get some good value, whether it's you know Utah State going up by 10 or Mizzou going up by 10. You want to bet the other side because those lines are going to swing back. Uh, generally, you know these games are going to be very competitive. These teams are obviously playing for uh, you know their lives. It's winner go home in the NCAA tournament, so there's they're not playing for tomorrow. They're not going to you know let up in the second half even if they're down 15. These teams are going to compete all the way through. So that's where I find the most value personally is betting uh, once the game has already started. Once you know a team has gone up early in the first half, those leads don't mean too much, but you can usually get some pretty good odds on the other side in those games. Occasional over-under bets as well, but uh, again, not wanting to get into individual matchups. Live betting is where I like to focus uh, on, on the tournament on an individual game basis. Yeah, I think live betting um, and look at even the the pregame spreads and find those games that are like three points or less at the initial spread. And then if you see a big lead, you know, with five minutes or close to halftime, exactly. you know, it's a 10, 15 yep. point lead, him on that other side, you know, Vegas expects this game to be close. It's still most likely going to come back and swing the other way. So take advantage of that uh, live line in college basketball. It happens, I would say almost more times than it doesn't, you know, swing back the other way. So um, yeah, I think that's, and like you said, if if Mizzou goes down to Utah State in the first half, just go ahead and hammer their money line because I would almost Absolutely. guarantee they're going to make it a game by by the end of the second half. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. And I think overall I agree with you um, when it comes to not getting into betting each game individually. Um, I would say I would March Madness is a little bit, I would say, scary when it comes to betting because there's a lot of games very quickly. So if you are getting into the habit of betting each game individually, it gets very easy to start chasing those bets because you have a lot of games that you can chase those bets with and a lot of props and everything like that also. So um, the way I like to bet March Madness is kind of limit the losses a little bit. I like to kind of just take a, you know, I, I personally today went through each region, picked the team that I like the best to come out of each region, and then I just put a future on them to win the region and then each game they're in, it kind of feels like I'm sweating out of bed without, you know, necessarily putting more and more money on the line if you had a couple losers in a row. So uh, that's just kind of my forewarning before March Madness starts, because I know it is a very exciting time for betters. But uh, be careful. Don't obviously gamble more than you are uh, capable of losing because it's an easy time of year to, uh, like I said, keep chasing and uh, finding ways to put more bets down. Yeah, good disclaimer there, Cody. Bet responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely uh, know your limits when it comes to this uh, this time of year. Like you said, there is just a ton of opportunity, and there's going to be you know three games on at any given moment for ten hours a day for these next couple weekends. So definitely make sure you are uh, capable of losing whatever you're putting down. But at the same time, I think the way that we go about it is uh, you know a little smarter, where we're we're getting juice on most of the bets that we're giving. So you don't have to put down a ton to win back what you uh, what you're looking for, and you know if you lose these bets, it's not going to be the end of the world because again, you're not going to have to put down a ton to to win back the totals that you're searching for here, Cody. Uh, let's go ahead and kick off these final four bets. We're going to go through each region, pick our favorite values for that region for the winner, Cody. I'll kick it to you first. We're going to start with the West region here. 
Yeah, absolutely. I am going with Gonzaga at plus 420. And I'm on FanDuel. I believe Nick used DraftKings, and uh, that'll be important when we get to one of them. But I will just go ahead and start off by saying make sure you shop each of these lines as well. Absolutely. If you are. Good call. If you have accounts with different you know, sports books in a state where it's legal, make sure to double-check those. I, I did not earlier, and we'll get to that later. But <laughs> uh, to Gonzaga here, uh, here. They, have, they have the third best odds to win the West behind just Kansas and UCLA. I could not bet for Kansas because I cannot wait for them to lose in this tournament. It's going to be a joyous day at the office when Kansas goes down. And uh, UCLA, I'll let Nick kind of uh, say his piece on them, but I have one reason why I did not uh, – went went away from UCLA. But Gonzaga, they're on a nine-game win streak to, uh, in the season. They win the, won the West Coast Conference, which I believe they have for you know X amount of years going back. Uh, first overall in college basketball in points per game and field goal percentage. So, um, unfortunately, their defense was not very good overall. But you know, when these possession when these games come down to possession by possession, I want a team that can put the uh, put the ball in the basket, and I think Gonzaga can do that pretty well. They're pretty battle tested. There, they make runs pretty well every year as well. So, I think getting them at plus four twenty is. Uh, really just comes from Kansas. I feel like Kansas is the big favorite there, and it's kind of inflating both UCLA and Gonzaga because I think both these teams are teams that could potentially you know, make a good run in this tournament. Yeah, I don't mind the pick. Uh, I think we have a little bit of a different philosophy when it comes to betting uh, these long-term uh, outlooks here, so I'm going to swing a slightly different direction on most of these. Uh, we do agree pretty heavily in one region that, again, we will get to later, but... Uh, Gonzaga has a couple things that I am looking for in a uh, you know a long-term run in, for a tournament team. They have an All-American in Drew Timmy, who is an excellent player on the first team, All-American team, I believe, and has been two years in a row. So uh, they can certainly beat anybody in the country. Had a 10-point win against Alabama earlier this year that looks really good right now. And uh, like you said, they're rolling right now as well, which is another thing you like to see at this time of year. Uh, I... I'm going to go with UCLA, the aforementioned UCLA. Uh, Cody alluded to this earlier. That is my pick. They are at plus 275. They're actually the shortest odds to win the region on the book that I looked at, so maybe I should have also checked uh, Cody's side because it sounds like they uh, they were higher than Kansas where he looked. But either way, I like them at this number, and if you can get them at a higher number, you know, obviously take that. But uh, I have a few things that I like to look for in tournament teams that UCLA kind of fits the bill. Um, I like good defense. UCLA ranks fourth in the country in defensive BPI. Uh, they have a couple star players, one All-American, and then two more All-Pac-12 players. And uh, I like highly competitive regular season schedules. This is the one where they don't necessarily meet that compared to these other big contenders. They, uh, they lack slightly this metric just because the Pac-12 is slightly weaker. But, again, they have uh, played three games against Arizona, shown out pretty well, all very close games, won one of them. Uh, and I just think that you're looking for a team that has a couple stars that can carry them because when you get to this time of year, you know, depth is not quite as important because you can play your guys for 38, 40 minutes. There is no tomorrow in the NCAA tournament, so you don't have to rely on your eighth guy as much as you would in January or February as a uh, – as a basketball team in college. Uh, but I, I just think that they, they have a pretty easy path too. I, I like it better than the top of the region. Uh, again, I'm not as high on Gonzaga, so that would be their potential sweet 16 matchup. And then uh, I believe they play either 
Boise State or Northwestern in round two, hypothetically. And those teams, again, I think are a little bit overseeded on both of them. So uh, I, I like UCLA to win this region. Yeah, the only thing that scared me off of UCLA was I believe one of their big men, uh, one of their important big men had a shoulder injury. I don't know how serious that was. That was just mentioned in a uh, another podcast that I was listening to and I was kind of breaking down these different regions. So um, maybe you want to go back and do a little bit more research on that to see if he's going to be back. Because if he is back, I know he makes a pretty big impact. So um, they did. But, they did lose one of their starters uh, during the conference tournament in the Pac-12. So you're probably right. I don't believe he is expected back, but he was the the fourth most important player from what I could glean from my research for UCLA. Okay. And the the top three were, uh, you know, again, two all uh, all Pac-12 players, and then one uh, in Jacquez. The the guard is an All American. So that is what I like to see. I like to have some players that are, can really carry a team this time of year. Absolutely. And yeah, the difference on FanDuel, UCLA plus 340, Kansas plus 330. So uh, FanDuel sees those pretty, pretty equally between UCLA and Kansas. And I would say Kansas is a pretty highly valued team. So for UCLA to be basically the same odds is, is tells you a lot about their team for sure. I like their road quite a bit. Yeah. Awesome. You want to go ahead and uh, kick off the East? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. All right. I oh, I hate to say it, man, but I'm going Duke at plus 750. I know there's people turning off the podcast right now the second I said that. But um, they they have the fourth best odds to win the East. They're behind Purdue, Marquette, and Tennessee. Really the only team that I'm, I'm very scared about would be Purdue. They are pretty good, but uh, I, I don't know. I just I, I have a feeling about Duke. They're also on a nine-game win streak. One of my things I look for is I want to find a team that's coming into the tournament hot. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to win their conference tournament, but I want to see them play well in their tournament in the regular season well. So they're on a nine-game win streak. They won the ACC. Um, their offensive stats aren't very impressive during the regular season, but they were the 27th highest scoring offense during their playoff run in the ACC playoffs. So their offense did kind of get rolling during the playoffs, uh, the conference playoffs. And then their defense has been good pretty much all season. So I think a plus 750, you're getting, you know, a blue, a blue blood proven, you know, proven school, obviously a new coach. He's going to have his first, you know, tournament appearance but I think Duke kind of is who they are and I have a feeling that they're gonna at least make somewhat of a run and at plus 750 I like them to make the final four yeah I don't mind those odds either at plus 750 that's pretty good juice on again a team with a uh, a lot of talented players that coming into this year did not start the year very well but kind of figured it out towards the end as you alluded to nine straight wins Heating up at the right time, something you like to see. Uh, one of the real concerns I had for Duke and one of the reasons I did not end up making them my pick is that they actually have a pretty tough first-round matchup against Oral Roberts, who is, I believe, slightly under as a 12. They won 30 games this year. They have a pretty good offense and uh, a couple really high-level players that, again, this that just plays up this time of year. So that one of the best. they can get by... Yeah, go ahead. One of the best offenses, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I heard that about that uh, matchup as well. So yeah, Oral Roberts is a very scary first round matchup for yeah. Duke. That is that's kind of the, the biggest concern I had, other than uh, you know just their their outlook in general. But I do like their their road beyond Oral Roberts is not incredibly tough. Tennessee's been kind of slumping lately. That would be their second round matchup, and then Purdue is one of the. Uh, 
the weaker one seeds, I believe, uh, as far as their ability to be beaten in, the, in a one-game sample. So I, I would not mind Duke at this pick, but this is the region I'm going to go with my biggest long shot at Memphis, plus 1,600. They are the eighth seed in the East region. They have the eighth best odds as well to win it. Uh, that tracks their largest loss all season was by eight points to Houston on the road. They are a one seed, so pretty impressive stuff there. And they also uh, they played a lot of pretty good competition very well this year. They had a three-point loss on the road against Alabama, one and two against Houston. As I just mentioned, they beat Texas A&M. They beat Auburn. So this is a battle-tested team in that regard. They also have an All-American guard transfer from SMU this year. Uh, an excellent player, and then they have another uh, another player that was a first-team All-AAC, which is the conference they play in. Uh, so they have two guys that really get it done for them. And then again, at this time of year, I kind of like to focus on the teams that have those type of guys that can really take over. But this is a team that pushes the pace, defends really well inside the arc, and I believe that uh, that makes them a good matchup with the big dogs in this region, Purdue especially. They have the big 7'4", 7'4", Zach Eady, so that – Again, good matchup if you can get him on the run and uh, defend well inside the arc. Those are the two things you need to beat Purdue. And then Duke and Tennessee kind of profile somewhat similarly. They're not necessarily teams that are going to run to death. Uh, and then they're not going to beat you from beyond the three-point arc, which is kind of Memphis's weakness. So uh, I think uh, they, they just got a good draw here. And if they can make it by FAU, the number nine seed they play in the first round, again, one of my bigger concerns there, I think they have a decent shot to take down Purdue and then gain some momentum. Yep, absolutely. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the. Uh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Okay, never mind. Oh, wait, no. Did Duke and Memphis, would they play each other in the second round? They would be, they'd be a, a sweet 16 matchup, I believe, because uh, Memphis is the eight. So they would yeah, play. Yeah, there Purdue, we go. Sorry. And then uh, yeah. Duke would be in the sweet 16, yeah. That's right. Okay, there we go. I yeah, I, for some reason I could not find them whenever I was looking on the bracket on the March Madness website. But yes, I uh, I actually don't mind that. I if uh, I might actually lay a little bit on Memphis at plus sixteen hundred. Those are those are really good odds that you're getting there. So um, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I like the uh, I like the the way you laid that out. They seem like a pretty solid team, and you kind of gave me a little bit of uh, confidence there with uh, you know with you know, not really feeling too confident with Purdue. So that, Purdue was yeah. my biggest fear when it came to taking Duke, but sounds like uh, they're not, maybe not as good as I was initially thinking. So, yeah, this time uh, of yeah. year, I like to prioritize teams that have really good guard play. And uh, that's, that just doesn't seem to be the case. Purdue is good on the guard level, but not to the, to the level you'd expect a one seed to be. And then they're kind of a one man show and that they're uh, they're big seven foot four center, Zach Eady kind of a, uh, you know, they go as he does. So if they run into a team that defends well on the interior and he doesn't have a good game, they could be beaten. Honestly, in the round of 32, he could score 35 points and they could lose. I'm pretty sure they yeah. did that like two years ago or last year or something like that. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, you want, to, uh, you want to go ahead and kick off the Midwest with your pick here? Sure thing. Uh, on the Midwest side, I'm going to go with another somewhat long shot. I believe this one uh, has a little bit better chance of happening, but at plus 1,200, we're going to take Indiana. They are the fifth best odds on DraftKings. Again, check both books, see if you can get them at a slightly higher number on the other one, but um, I like plus 1,200 for Indiana. 
Uh, I agree with Cody in that I find this to be one of the weakest regions by a decent margin. So I think it's a, a bit wide open in that sense. Uh, so Indiana has a chance to make a run here. Uh, they played one of the toughest schedules in the country. Again, uh, the, the three boxes I like to check is have a couple All-Americans or a couple, you know, at least all whatever conference they play in type players and then a good defense. Indiana does not check that last box. Their defense is very average, uh, but the other two they check uh, very easily. They have an All-American, a first-team All-American. Uh, that is going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft this season. Uh, and and another another player who was uh, the All-Big Ten freshman of the year, and he made the third team in the Big Ten, which is one of the best conferences this year for basketball in the country. And uh, again, obviously, because they played in the Big Ten, they played a very, very hard schedule. So they are battle-tested. My biggest concern with Indiana is that they have a very tough first-round matchup as well against Kent State. They have uh, Kent State has played a few very good teams down to the wire. I believe they had a seven-point game against Houston, a five-point game against Gonzaga in their resume. So they have they're going to be a tough out. The line's all the way down to four and a half in favor of Indiana. So that is that's not a huge spread for a four v thirteen matchup. But if they can make it past that, they have a week five in my opinion in Miami and then Houston. Their best players banged up right now, Marcus Sasser, and I believe they are kind of ripe for the beating. So if uh, if Indiana can get by their first round matchup, they have a decent chance to make a run. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, like like you said, I think this um, this region we're going to agree on quite a bit. Uh, one, like you said, I do think this is the weakest region. Um, Houston, I just I never see Houston actually pull it off in the tournament. Like they're supposedly always a really good basketball team, and then they just seem to always get beat. So. I just don't really have a lot of faith in them, you know, running through and, and making it to the final four. So um, I would just say the weakest one seed. And I think they're the favorite overall for the tournament whenever I was looking on FanDuel. So uh, maybe I'm just off. Maybe this is their year, but I just, I feel like they always end up finding a way to lose a game. So uh, my pick for the Midwest is Texas A&M. And this is why we said, make sure you check your books on FanDuel. They are plus 1100 to win the Midwest on DraftKings, they are plus 1,800. Uh, Nick pointed that out to me. I can confirm it. I just checked it uh, as Nick was explaining his Indiana pick. So, obviously, go over to DraftKings, get that plus 1,800. And um, here's why. They are 10-2 and two over their last 12 games. They've beaten teams like Alabama. They obviously lost to them in the SEC championship game, but they did beat them in the last regular season game. They beat Tennessee. They've beaten Mizzou twice. They've been Arkansas and Auburn. All of these teams are in the tournament as well. I think the SEC has become a much better basketball conference over the last five years, I would say. So I would say it's actually impressive. If we look at this five years ago, that's probably not any impressive stats whatsoever. So um, I just think they're a good team. I think it's a weak region. I kind of like their path to make it to the final four and, uh, I mean, this was my long shot at plus 1,100, so I will love the long shot at plus 1,800 um, as well. And um, let me see here. Yeah, nope, I think that I hit all my major points there with, with A&M. Yeah, at plus 1,800, I love the pick. I, uh, I was considering them or Indiana since you ended up taking them. Uh, at the odds you had them at, I you know I just kind of let you have them, and I went with Indiana. But they are very underseeded at seven. I believe most uh, most predictions I saw before the bracket was released had them at the five line. So 
they could benefit from that a little bit. Actually, usually the fives have to play the one in the Sweet 16, and they could avoid that until the you know hypothetical Elite Eight matchup. But uh, the only concerns I have with Texas A&M is they're slightly one-dimensional. Uh, they don't have a great offense, like you said, but their half-court defense is amazing. And then uh, Penn State in the first round is also a tough out. Penn State has a second-team All-American on their team, so some uh, you know a guy that can kind of take over a game. But at plus 1,800, it's hard to argue with. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, the South we agree on. Do you want to take it away or you want me to take it? Go ahead, Cody. You got this one. Cool. Let's go Alabama. And and I'm not, I don't want to spoil it, but I think they're probably the best team in the tournament. Uh, overall, I think they have the best player in the tournament, Brandon Miller. Um, I watched him put up three points in the first half against Mizzou and then just absolutely picked them apart in the second half in that semifinal game. And I was like, man, he is, uh, can't really guard him. He, he finds a way to get open and he can shoot the lights out of the gym. So, um, I, yeah, I, he's really, really good. They're 11 and two over the last 13 games, obviously keeping that hot streak going. And really their two games they lost were, you know, they really didn't necessarily need to win them to lock up their overall one seed in the SEC tournament. Seventh best team in points per game, first in offensive rebounds per game. That's where they really killed Mizzou. And, and I think Texas A&M in the championship yeah. as well. They rebound so well in the offensive glass. Third in defensive Cody. field goal percentage and three point percentage. Might have- so they they defend really well, obviously as well. And then, um, like I said, I, I feel like they, you know, their their toughest competition is going to be Arizona, but Arizona is going to have to get through potentially both Missouri and Baylor to get there to Alabama. So I like Alabama's kind of route, you know, through the through the bracket a little bit easier to that elite eight matchup, uh, no matter who it ends up being with. You back, Nick? You back? Yep. All right. Oh, that's all right. Keep it. And no big deal. I just, I went on my entire rant and basically just went through all my bullet points that you're seeing here. So okay. I know, I know we agree on Alabama at plus 190 as the pick in the South. Uh, I, I literally hit basically point for point right there. Do you have anything else you want to add on top of, uh, those stats or any other reasons why Alabama's probably win in the South? Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, repeat everything you just said in case, uh, you know, because I didn't, I didn't hear what you said for the last 30 seconds because I got disconnected there for a second, but it's really hard to argue with them. They're an outstanding offensive team. Like you said, Brandon Miller, he's going to be the first player picked out of college this year. He'll probably not go number one because there's a few international prospects that will go ahead of him, but he is really, really good, 6'9", great shooter, really athletic. So uh, he's very hard to stop, probably the best player in this tournament. And that's not even their best asset. Their defense is top five in the nation as well. So uh, their their road is not incredibly tough either. I think this just really sets up very well for them. And even at plus 190 to win the region, which is four games, that doesn't sound like great odds. It's just that kind of speaks to our confidence in them as a team. Um, I have a bonus. They'll be pick. large favorites in most of their games, oh, unless yeah, they 100%. play like an Arizona or something like that in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I think the I actually really like them at minus one hundred five to make the Elite Eight too. Uh, their first matchup, obviously, a sixteen seed is a layup, and then they get to play Maryland or West Virginia in the second round. Both of them, I think, are slightly overseeded uh, there, so that should be a game they're favored by at least ten points. And then uh, both Virginia and San Diego State are both also overseeded at four and five. So 
their road to the to the, to the elite eight is pretty clear. And even at even money uh, to win three games, I think I would take that. So minus one hundred five on Alabama to make the elite eight is a pretty good bet too. My bonus I like pick, I like Mizzou to make the Sweet Sixteen. This is a bit of a homer pick. Not going to lie to you guys, but. Uh, Four teams to win one or two games, it's a different formula than I use to pick teams to make it far in the tournament. For teams to win one or two games, all you need to be is hot two days in a row, and that is exactly the type of of team Mizzou is. You want teams that press on the ball all the way up the court. You want teams that shoot a ton of threes, and you want teams that, again, put the ball in the basket in general. Those are all things Mizzou does very well. They play an Arizona team that plays more of a traditional style of basketball in the hypothetical second-round matchup, and they uh, they could cause some problems for them with uh, with their smaller lineup just running around again. Uh, that's kind of – we saw them give Tennessee fits two times this regular season. They play a similar style to Arizona. So uh, at plus 550 to win two games this weekend, that's not bad for, again, a Mizzou team. If they're coming out making shots in the first game, they have a very good chance to, to win two and uh, get through to the Sweet 16. Yeah, absolutely. I I have some. I'll, I'll reiterate a little bit on Mizzou because I have kind of a laugher pick for them later. But I, I agree <laughs> with you. I think that's a good. That's a good pick as well. Um, I think they get. Would it be Arizona in round two? It as would long be as Arizona wins their game. So, yeah, that's. I mean, that's basically what you're hanging that plus five fifty on. I mean, Utah State and actually could give them that, a little bit of a run, but that's the biggest problem is that they play a Utah State team in round one that profiles very, very similarly to them. So, if that's a coin flip yeah. game, Utah State's actually favored by a point and a half right now. That's probably why you're getting plus five fifty uh, because they're a coin flip to win round win round one, and then they have to play the two seed in round two. But uh, I think if they get through that first game, they'll you know their confidence will be sky high, and they'll have a good shot to to take down Arizona. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and run in uh, national championship winner bets. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just be the homer. I'm going to lock in Alabama plus eight hundred. Uh, it looks like Nick's all plus six fifty on DraftKings, so. Move on over to FanDuel, get that extra value there. Absolutely. Um, basically, I'm not going to sit here and talk your ear off about how good Alabama is. You get it at this point. I just see this as a good chance to get 8-1 to one value on your money. And, um, yeah, and, and I feel like if you take a little bit on Alabama, you can also sprinkle a little bit around on some, uh, you know, some underdogs as well and maybe try and, try and hit on, you know, a, a pick like Nick's about to give out or something like that. Because at plus 800, I mean, you can get – you can get, like I said, that's just decent. Eight to one odds on what we think, you know, has the best player, probably the best team in the tournament. So, yeah, there is not a lot of years where there is a team that kind of stands out head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, not everybody agrees with us, to be honest with you, about that. But I, uh, I believe Alabama does that this year, and at eight to one, not bad at all to to have the best team in every game they're going to play. I believe they will be favored no matter who they're playing. So, uh, eight to one, not bad there to win the tournament. I uh, probably would take them as my pick for best value as well, but I'm going to go a different route to Tennessee. Uh, This one is a little bit of following the uh, advanced metrics here. Tennessee is third in the country in BPI, basically tries to measure, uh, you know, it kind of uh, equals every team out and says, what would this team do against an average college basketball team? How many points better would they be than the average team? Tennessee rates out third in that metric, mostly because of their fantastic defense rates out as a top five unit in basically every measure. Uh, They're a little bit spotty on offense, though. Uh, So if this team can get hot on that side, they can shut some teams down, and they are plus 2,500 to win the finals. That's uh, 
you know, 25 to one, you don't have to put a ton down to win back your, your money and then some on this pick. So I think Tennessee was a very popular pick a few months ago. They haven't been playing very well recently, but again, it's, um, you know, small sample sizes in the tournament. So they just need to get hot for a couple of weeks. Yep. I don't mind it. My only concern with Tennessee is I've seen them lose quite a bit in the SEC. So um, yeah, we'll they see have not been playing how their recently. matchups play, but yeah, I mean, they, it seems like every time that Mizzou has played them, I know Mizzou beat them twice, obviously once on the buzzer beater and once in the tournament. But it does seem like the way the announcers talk about Tennessee, that seems like they have a lot of talent. And, and they are one of those kind of longer shots that you could you could see making a run. Um, this is kind of my last – I'm going to throw my last little pick out here, but this is more of just betting with the heart, kind of like what Nick was talking about with Mizzou to the Sweet 16. We're just going to go ahead and take it up a little bit further. we got Mizzou to the Final Four at plus 5,000. Uh, you probably should not take this bet, and I'm not necessarily <laughs> recommending that you do. But 20 bucks pays out a thousand, and this will probably be the most obnoxious college basketball podcast ever if Mizzou makes the Final Four. So, um, yeah, I, I like I said, not not a good not good betting advice. Absolutely, just betting with my heart. And then if they do get there and I get an extra thousand on top of it, it would just be such an amazing feeling. Yeah, if you uh, if you see Mizzou make the Final Four and you want to hear me cry live on a podcast, you can go ahead and tune in to the episode that we put out after that happens because uh, that would be incredible. Again, I just don't know if the formula is there for Mizzou to make a deep run, but who knows if they you know they get hot in two straight weekends, they can beat anybody in the country. We saw them hang with Alabama for about thirty three minutes in that game uh, last weekend. And, uh, you know, eventually succumbing to the better squad there. But uh, if they can hang with Alabama, they can hang with anybody. So, I'd, you know, again, you're, you're putting down 10 bucks and winning 500. Not a, not a ton. There's a lot of juice for the squeeze as well. So I, I think there are worse odds out there. But, again, this is probably a bit of a homer pick on our part, to be honest. Oh, 100%. Like I said, not good betting advice. But now that we've given you not good betting advice on Mizzou, we, go ahead, we do have some, um, some kind of other things we did just want to throw out there. Uh, just in general, some I listened to some podcasts, read some articles this morning uh, while I was making my notes. Nick did the same. So two things that I that really stuck out to me. Uh, the first, underdogs have the highest hit rates in the round of 64 and the round of 16. So if you are someone who's looking to bet individual games, looking to take them on the money line, just historically, historical data, has underdogs hitting at a higher rate in the round of 64 and the round of 16. So that could be something to look for. And then the other one, and I think this is just kind of college basketball in general, but it's always good to reiterate, first half unders hit at a higher rate during the round of 64, 32, 16, and elite eight games with Cinderella story type runs. Typically what you're seeing there is, you know, college basketball teams that maybe – little nervous with the situation that they're in, come out a little bit cold, come out a little bit shaky. By the end of that second, by the end of the first half, they kind of start getting it together. They're at the under. Then that second half is when they really start kind of putting it together and going on some runs. So just two kind of betting advice, you know, betting tips if you are going to go out there and bet individual games uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, very popular college basketball philosophy is to bet the first half under and the game over because of the way uh, you know games get elongated in the last two minutes. A lot of times, when it's a you know five to ten point lead for one team, you'll see the other team fouling 
scoring and easy buckets uh, because the defense is just trying to stop a three, fouling again, and just really inflating those point totals towards the end of game. So you don't want to go with full game unders, but first half unders hit quite a bit. So good call there by Cody. I like that one a lot. Uh, myself, I have uh, a couple tips for winning a bracket pool for any of you out there that uh, are doing you know, large pools. I think this is for, you, for those of you in, in, uh, in pools of, say, 30-plus people because uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, bigger pools that, you know, you, ne- you kind of need to, to differentiate yourself in your head, but there are maybe some common misconceptions we can uh, throw out there for you. So I'm going to give you a few tips. This is partly sponsored by an article by Shane Ryan on Golf Digest. So I wanted to just throw that out there, not trying to take credit for all of this because I did get some inspiration from him and he helped me with some of these numbers as well. So my first tip is put your one seeds in the Sweet 16. There has been exactly one 16 seed to beat a one seed, so we should just not even consider that as a possibility. And one seeds have won 86.4% of their games against eight and nine seeds since uh, they started tracking that in 1985. So there's about a 50-50 shot of an eight or nine beating a one in any given year, and then you have to, you know, split that by a quarter because you have to guess the right one as well. So it's about a 12.5% chance of guessing the right one. And, uh, you know, hitting an upset of that magnitude usually has higher risk than reward because, again, those eight seeds not as likely to go far in the tournament. And if you knock a one seed out early and they end up making a run, it pretty much your toast in a large bracket format because a lot of other teams will have those teams going far. So generally, you want to put your one seed in the Sweet 16. And honestly, you almost want to put them in the Elite Eight as well, unless you have a very good reason not to. Avoid one-dimensional teams for your Elite Eight and Final Four picks. That's my second tip. Teams that are top 10 in either offense or defense and 70 or below on the other side of the ball do not generally fare well in the tournament. I'm not going to bore you with all of the statistics that I went through because there is a lot of numbers to them, but just trust me when I say this is very much backed up by some some solid research from uh, my man Shane Ryan on Golf Digest. So here are a couple teams to avoid for maybe some longer runs. Sorry, Cody, I might mention one of your picks in this uh, this section here, but teams to avoid: Gonzaga, Baylor, Xavier, Iowa, San Diego State, Virginia, and Miami. All of those teams are five C or five seed or higher, except Iowa. They're an eight, but. Every one of those teams is someone you might consider for a long run. You might want to think otherwise. They're a little bit too one-dimensional for my taste. Cody, do you have any comments on those first two tips? Um, I don't want to discredit I, Shane Ryan, but I just think that he is going to be wrong about Gonzaga. I, I have a good <laughs> feeling about him. No, that's fair enough. Uh, no, Shane Ryan. Actually, I I read a lot of Shane Ryan in Golf Digest as well, so I, I'm actually very familiar with his work. He's actually Really smart guy. Uh, no, this has me a little bit nervous about Gonzaga being my pick. I think um, I have them locked into my bracket making the final four right now. May reconsider, but I already have that bet locked in, and uh, FanDuel is not going to let me reconsider that one. So we're going to be rooting for Gonzaga bet for betting purposes, and we just can't change that at this point. You know, there's always the individual outlier, but I'm just following the statistics here and trying to give the people the best advice I can. Cody, no disrespect to you uh, as a man. I'm sure Gonzaga will do just great in this tournament, my man. Uh, you you have you have a, a good time with that. But my third tip: all of your Final Four teams should be a top four seed. It's very fun to you know bet on your Cinderella and watch them uh, go throughout the tournament, especially if you hit the first couple picks. But from 1985 to last year, 15 
of 148 teams to make the Final Four were five seeds or lower. The odds of it happening are very, very low, and the odds you pick the right one are even lower than that, guys. So uh, the risk reward is just not there when it comes to a big bracket pool like uh, you know, like this. If you're really trying to win it, you have to you have to basically get three out of the final four teams, or at least two if you're going to win a bracket pool. So uh, you can't be messing around with your final four teams. I'm uh, also going on the assumption that your bracket pool has escalating point totals like most do. Obviously, uh, that's a, a huge disclaimer here. If yours doesn't, then you know, kind of disregard this advice. But generally, the wins matter more as you go on. They are usually doubled for each round. So um, if that's the case, you you need to hit at least three Final Four teams to win most bracket pools. Just consider that when you are making your picks. And my last bit of advice here is consider a strong two seed for your champion kind of contradicting what we said earlier about Alabama but in big office pools picking your champion correctly is basically a must you almost always have to have the champion right again because of the escalation of the picks and the fact that the final round is worth double than the final four round and double the round before that and on down so going chalk can work so if you want to pick Alabama and you think they're you know just that good that go ahead and do it by all means, but you will not be the only team picking Alabama and the rest of your bracket is going to have to be pretty much spot on because you're going to be competing with 10, 15, 20 other people. If you're in a large pool that also picked Alabama. So taking a strong two seed means you have hitched your wagon to a legit title contender, but you will have less competition at the end of the day. If your pick does hit, think UCLA, think Texas, these teams have very strong odds of actually winning the tournament, but you will have less competition if they do, to distinguish yourself uh, to win the pool outright. So those are my four tips for winning your office bracket pool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I uh, got to go back. I, number three, the having all your final four teams should be top four seeds. I got to go back. My uh, So this is, this is kind of just a different topic, but I kind of want to relate it back to this list. So um, one thing about – March Madness that I, I don't know how you feel about this, but kind of drives me crazy is I would say the obsession with making like 15 to 20 different brackets and like finding the one that's in, you know, like the 10th percentile and just being like, Oh, look at this one that I made that, you know, is so good. It's like, you're, you're not like actually predicting the right thing. It's just, you're making just different variances of what you think could happen that basically just, cover your ass bit down the line with different picks. So I, I'm kind of the, the kind of guy that's like, if you're going to do a bracket and you want to brag about your bracket, just make one. And if your bracket's unbelievable, then you made that one and you're really good at what you did that year. But right. like, if you're someone who makes like a 20 to 25 brackets and you find one that's in, you know, like I said, the top 10th percentile and you feel accomplished with that. It's like, I mean, you, you make you make if you make that many, you're bound to find one that's going to <laughs> you're, you're, you know find yeah exactly. So um, I so what I say that to kind of relate back to your number third thing that you know all four of your final four teams should be the top four seed. I do take that literally. So like I'll go to different bracket tournaments and I will input the same bracket. So I made the bracket for our fantasy league on ESPN. Join that if you haven't already. That link will be on all socials, obviously. So um, I, I don't. I have Duke as a five seed, and then I have Texas A&M as a seven seed. So if I want a chance at winning that or having maybe a better chance towards the end, probably need to switch those up a little bit. So 
no, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. That was, that was really cool. Um, again, like you said, shout out Shane Ryan on Golf Digest. Uh, this is basically coming from him, but I'm glad we got to display this on the podcast because that's that's some really good information, especially, like you said, if you're in a work bracket contest or you got one with you know a group of 30-plus people that are all putting in 10 15 20 bucks, whatever it is. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, rules are meant to be broken. And clearly, like I said, 15 teams did make the Final Four that were five seeds or lower. So it can happen. It's possible. Uh, I think you should just kind of consider the odds of what you're doing. And if you really want to take one of these long shots, maybe just uh, go conservative with the rest of your bracket so that you actually have a chance in case they uh, you know, get knocked out in round one or two just because clearly the numbers are what they are. And you know, if you're going to hit a one in 10 chance of one of these teams making it, then uh, you know, you're going to have to to hit elsewhere as well in your bracket. And you don't want to just be, you know, throwing Cinderella's in your Elite Eight all over the place because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sweet. Let's wrap it up. The first fantasy uh, basketball podcast on March Madness. I, uh, we'll, have to, we'll probably break some uh, NBA picks out once the NBA playoffs hit. We can kind of take a look at some betting markets there and see if there's anything interesting that we want to talk about. But I'm sure we'll maybe uh, after this weekend see where our brackets are, see where the contest is. Like I said, if you have not already, make sure to fill out a bracket for the contest. I think we had five as I was looking at it earlier. Let's see if we have any more in there now. All right, we're still sitting at five. Let's let's go for a goal of 30. Let's get 30 people in here. So get your friends, get your family. Just, just send them the link, have them fill it out. It's not for anything we – Hopefully, don't know we'll everybody that's out. going to be in it. So we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, on social, whatever it is. But um, yeah, just join it up, and we'd appreciate it. We just kind of want to want to throw a link some... in the uh, description of this podcast, if possible. Yep, link in the description, link on yeah, Facebook, yeah. on Twitter, um, all that kind of good stuff. So just take a look awesome. out for that. But absolutely, Nick, let's go ahead and get out of here. Do you have any last words for the people? Good luck, guys. Go kill it. And, uh, again, just stick to the tips and stay smart. You guys will uh, will do just fine. Yep, absolutely. Peace out, everybody. See ya.